Hey everyone, I'm Ian Skira. And I'm Emily Nickmott. And welcome back to The Beat. This week's question is, what spring cleaning do the top 20 current club teams need to do before heading into nationals? The general idea is what's one facet of the game that we and our panel of experts have or informed people. No one's really an expert in anything. Um, <laughs> have noticed in all the top 20 teams in the country who will be at nationals because rankings freeze. And so this should be the teams that are getting at large bids. So with that, let's get started. Our guests this week to start, our first guest is a returning guest, Ben Mertens. As we previously mentioned, he's played for GMU, DCQC, and the Washington Admirals and is here to bring his expertise on a lot of the teams that he's played this year, which have been a lot, because DCQC has been to a lot of tournaments. So welcome, Ben. Thanks, Emily. Uh, next, joining us for the first time, we have Abraham Benningson, um, who in college played for Middlebury, uh, where they started their career, and then is now has since played on uh, the Bosnian Bear Sharks for the last USQ season and now plays for the Boston Pandas. So Abe, welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us. And I'm excited to get some of your thoughts, especially after some of the uh, analysis you've done in your own rankings of club teams as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. And our final guest is one of the most well-known voices in the sport, Ashton Jean Lewis. He's played for the last few last six years for the Houston Cosmos and is now one of the founding members of the Southwest Alliance. He also has played for the League City Legends and is currently their coach. Um, Ashton, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sorry, having a deep existential crisis about how long I've been playing this sport. Uh, anyway. <laughs> oh, man, amazing. Oh, I'm here. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Um, for In terms of how we're going to structure this, we are just going to kind of go down the current rankings for USQ. Each person or a couple of people will give one thing that we think or they think needs to be spring cleaned before nationals, which is approximately four weeks to five weeks out at this time, depending on when it comes out. Um, so it's just going to be things that we've maybe seen that will allow each team to kind of be more successful at nationals this year. Um, with that, we're going to kick it off with our number one team in the country, the Warriors. So yeah, I'll talk about what I think the Warriors need to get done. And obviously, their first ranked have beaten, they're in the upper echelon of club teams and have beaten all the threats that they uh, will need to beat if they want to win a national championship, which you have to think is their goal heading into nationals. Um, with that, uh, I think the thing that Warriors should be working on is uh, working on their depth and trusting their depth more in games. Um, their top line and top two lines maybe are obviously elite, outstanding players through and through. Um, but in order to make a, a finals run at Nationals, you're going to want to conserve energy of those elite players for the games you need them the most. And so if they can develop the talent of the, the players on the roster who have maybe less experience 
or haven't gotten as many high level reps, um, they will absolutely be a threat uh, to potentially win nationals, which again, you know, they're eyeing it. And the other final thing is that, again, we're on at nationals, you know, Warriors are preparing for Heat and for Cav primarily because those have been the two teams they've played closest throughout the season. And in all of those games, the scoring is always so close. So it, it so far, all those games have come down to who catches the flag runner. Um, I don't think in all the games between those three teams, the team has won without a catch. I, I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure. So work on that seeking and work on the, the flag on pitch beating um, because in those potential semifinals, finals, or maybe quarterfinals, we'll see how the, the bracket will shake out, of course, but that flag catch will be of utmost importance. Especially the Warriors having traveled, I feel like a bit more this year than I typically am used to seeing them play in different, like various tournaments throughout the year. Um, they've had a lot of opportunities to play a lot of teams and yeah, those close games against uh, Hill Country Heat and Cavalry, um, I think have been big tests. And um, if they're able to kind of, yeah, keep that consistency and work on, like you said, the flag on pitch scenarios, I think that's going to benefit them greatly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Better. You want to turn those games that are almost 50-50s into more than, better than that odds. I think they're trending in the right direction with the depth stuff. Their most recent tournament, they had a few players who hadn't played with them previously this season at really key positions. Um, and I think just how much they play those players maybe is in question, but I think the talent is there that they're not going to have to just play their first one or one and a half lines for entire games. They can go a little deeper than they did even last year, and that's only going to help them as they try to play eight or nine games over the course of the weekend to take home the championship. Uh, in particular, stuff that uh, I wonder about Warriors, they went to CCI, obviously won the entire thing. It was a huge deal uh, for them because in the path to winning CCI, they had to beat the best teams in the country, including the reigning national champs. I'm interested to see uh, how many people are going to be able to be better equipped to counter their beater press uh, when they go to nationals and if they're going to be able to make adjustments with that. And then on top of that, how many people are going to be able to counter this weird like buddy tree system that they utilize where it's kind of like a high beater press and a half pitch where the keeper uh, is able to go as far as the other opponent is willing to let them go. So if you're let, if you're going to let the keeper come all the way out the half pitch or whatever, and a beater is going to be directly behind them and you let them do that, they can disrupt uh, playing just pure man to man defense. The, they take the ball, the keeper does in that situation. And then the beater takes the next available pass and it generates a lot of turnovers for them. You talk about, uh, conserving energy, and I think that can go a long way, especially if teams are not going to be ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just, I guess, in talking about their competition that they had at CCI, um, I don't want to cut us short, so if anyone else has thoughts, feel free. But, um, Ashton, do you want to lead us into our second team we're going to talk about? Yeah, so uh, THC, a.k.a. Texas Hill Country Heat, the reigning national champs. They're number two in the country. Uh, they've had two losses so far this season. They've played the they've lost to the Warriors, and they've lost to Cav, the team that we're going to talk about immediately after this. 
Uh, when I went back, and uh, obviously as a person who's played them twice this season, I play in the Southwest for the Southwest Alliance, and I've played Heat uh, two times. They were a little different in Diamond Cup, and, and quite frankly, they didn't take us all that seriously when they faced off against us. And um, they they showed a lot of the a lot of the abilities that come in snitch on pitch in terms of generating pressure against chasers um, that are not well equipped to be able to win a one-on-one in a lot of situations when you watch them on film. Uh, I, I'll be interested to see how they counter more physical, uh, especially you talk about cleaning things up with the spring cleaning aspect of it, uh, figuring out a way to work away from having their beaters get engaged in such physical uh, altercations on the field. Like if you go back and watch the film for the CCI final, when the Warriors played uh, against the Heat, and this actually was something that uh, Swa utilized when we played Heat, and it, it was just the ability to know that they were going to throw the ball back almost instantaneously and just send our beaters in there to tackle uh, the beater that's directly on top of the center hoop trying to tag back in, knowing that they're going to tag back in, but knowing that we can buy time for our chasers to be able to operate if we um, swarm that beater at the at the center hoop and take them either down to the ground or prevent them from being able to rotate out if you throw the ball behind the hoops. But uh, I'll be interested to see if they figure out a way to clean that up. I, I mean, there's no way to like gain a ton of muscle or strength or anything like that. Just to see if they have a strategy for uh, taking out the unarmed beater is, is something to add in there as well. But a lot of what Heat does is that they have not a, they have a bunch of different players that have so many different skill sets. Like Eric Reyes is heavily underrated on that team. He's a guy that basically is untackleable in in the half pitch because most people don't have the strength to be able to take him down, and he's got quick enough feet uh, to be able to get around uh, a lot of chasers who are strong enough to be able to try and make contact with them. But uh, that's my number one thing: figuring out how to uh, protect, figuring out how to protect the home beater, and be able to figure out a way to. Extend to get out there and make uh, proper rotations to prevent uh, quick rotation goals, which is what Warriors used uh, to beat them in the CCI final. I think one other place that I think needs to be a little bit more like short up, um, and I know Jackson and Teach talked about it in their own podcast, was just like catching the flag. I think, Abe, in your write-up, you mentioned that they went like 0 for 5 on catching the flag at Southwest Regionals, and I think it did bite them when they played Cav, and I think it has the potential to continue to do so when you look at how close there are, like there are potential for close games. And not to say that they don't have very talented seekers, I think they just need to figure out the best way to like rotate through them to kind of get the person who's able to match up well with whatever the flag runner is doing in the right rotation. So Again, super other high-level teams, right, that's the only situation where they're going to get pressed, and they reacted poorly to the press at both CCI and the Southwest finals against Cav, where, like, their ball handler was getting pressed near half court and tried to just block the bludger instead of finding the pass or even just throwing the ball deep, because when they failed to get the block, the other team picked it up at half court and just ran it down the field for a very easy goal. I think that's just a thing that comes from, like, there's only two or three teams in the country that are ever going to successfully execute a press on heat, but those are the two or three teams they need to go through to win on day two. So just being a little more ready for that, I think is something as well. Yeah. And if there's no more thoughts there, I think Ashton, you're going to lead us off again. If you want to jump into talking about our third team, Texas Cavalry. Uh, yeah. So Texas Cavalry, a team that I've played 
Oh, actually only played him one time this season, but in, oh, over the course of my years, I obviously played him a bunch because I played in the Southwest region. Uh, but in the one time that we played him, their beater press was really, really effective uh, in terms of being able to generate uh, either turnovers or, or really disrupt offensive possessions uh, up front. I think one thing uh, I'd like to see, obviously health is a big factor for them to clean up. We saw in the CCI final uh, situation where, you know, JJ looked like he was a little hobbled a little bit as he was running up the field. Uh, looked like at regionals, he was doing just fine. So uh, that that spring cleaning aspect of being healthy is probably not going to be a factor for him uh, just yet. Uh, I think there's something to be said about um, – something to be said about how they operate in their trees and stuff like that. Uh, they clearly are some of the best in the game when it comes to running trees, originators of it, and they've done a really good job of being able to generate um, shots blocked off of it. But uh, you would imagine you'd like to see a little bit more, um, a little bit more tackling from the chasers, not necessarily dependent upon the beaters to be u- uber successful, which to their credit with the addition of Maya Heimbaugh and, and Cole Travis out there and, pretty much the consistent beater faces you see them uh, run every single year. They, they have got their system down perfectly. Uh, obvious. Uh, th- my biggest thing is like, are they going to be, uh, are they going to be willing to make more tackles in open space? We know that they're capable of doing it, but uh, at certain points they're going to come up against you talk about like the, the, the heats of the world, the warriors of the world, and depending upon the beaters to make everything happen on defense, it's just not going to, uh, not going to function well for them. Um, and that's pretty much all I got in terms of spring cleaning. It's hard to come up with stuff uh, for the most dominant team in probably the history of quad ball ever uh, to come up with reasons or things that they need to be able to fix. And you you kind of get into this area where you're nitpicking small things because their mistakes uh, that they do make on the field, every team makes mistakes in some way, shape or form. But the fact of the matter is, is that their mistakes, one, happen in such a small window that the average or even above average team can't even take advantage of it unless they're consistently being able to see it. And then two, they have people who can overcome each other's mistakes with their individual skills and abilities. So, you know, uh, hard to come up with things to, for them to really lock into and, and figure out and dedicate a ton of time to fixing other than, um, I don't know, be, you know, and you can't even tell them to be nicer to people on the field. They're just really nice group of people, you know? I think one thing for them is figuring out how to get Casey Beavers more involved in the offense because last year they were super reliant on Casey Irwin and Aaron McBride. Casey Irwin is beating this season. Aaron McBride hasn't been to a tournament yet for them. And Casey Beavers is a super talented player who's won championships with the University of Texas with the Austin Outlaws. But her involvement on offense right now is not quite as high as I think it could be. So I think that's one area where they can look to make their offense even more you know, threatening and versatile than it already is, is just getting her more involved in, in the looks they try to generate. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing, I don't know if you fully touched on this, Ashton or not, but I think you, you did, is just like this team, maybe there was some, maybe there was more things you could criticize towards the beginning of the season, but I think as it seems to be their typical trend, they somehow seem to be able to optimize for nationals every year and be at their best playing right when they need to be um i mean obviously last year they didn't come away with the win but they did still make it to the championship um so yet again it seems like this team is trending in the right direction uh and it's going to absolutely be a force to be reckoned with come uh, what in what the rumors aka things you see on social media say this could be the last go around for some uh, are the Cowboys on Cavs? So we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, when it's all said and done. But uh, yeah, this is 
it, it feels like it they have like the youth they have the experience and they have the strategy to go along with it plus the like the the varying number of players who have the different skills to be able to execute certain things it's not just players who are all fast or who all have the basketball body they have people who are uh big and beefy to be able to run through tackles and who also know where each other are at all uh, at all times like you talk about uh Luis Luis has got uh for Luis is ridiculous when it comes to being able to attack in space very quickly. Uh, same thing with Sammy Garza. Dude's got an automatic shot that looks exactly the same, no matter how many times he takes it from whatever angle. And even when they make up, even when they make slight mistakes in terms of like slightly off passes or whatever, they 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 make up for each other's uh, shortcomings in the moment, not even like overall shortcomings consistently in the game. And, and it's it's wild because you don't see teams that have that many talented players on one team who are willing to be great teammates. And it feels like Cav has a lot of people who uh, want to be great teammates, not necessarily go out there and be the star of the show. So, Yeah. I think you've done a really lovely job covering Cav. Um, so I think let's bump on down to boom train. Um, Ian, do you want to kick it off? Yeah. So um, I believe Boomtree may have also played games this weekend, uh, which I have not been able to watch. Um, but still, I have gotten to play them three times already this year um, and gotten to see a fair amount of their games. This team, yeah, I mean, they, speaking of when I talked about the Warriors, speaking of teams that are traveling and getting to a lot of tournaments, Boom Train seems to be set on getting in as many games as they can before nationals in preparation. Um, so, I mean, just first off, as far as spring cleaning, I think they're trying to do a lot of that themselves uh, without any suggestions of just getting to play all their possible opponents as many times as they can and kind of getting to see all these different looks to hopefully prepare them as best they can for nationals. Um, as far as things I think they might want to clean up in terms of spring cleaning, um, the one thing from playing them that I've noticed is I think, I mean, every team has some some of this, but I think they are much more effective on offense, attacking lots of condensed zones, um, and they have a lot more trouble uh, battling against some of those presses, dealing with a lot of high beater pressure when teams throw that at them, um, and still being as efficient as they normally are. So I think this team, as far as the offensive end, uh, can look to to clean up attacking different types of offenses and, and being able to switch looks when the team they're playing switches defense or taking the initiative and finding ways to break down sort of any defense. Um, yeah, in my experience playing them, we've had to switch it up and I think certain things have worked better than others. And yeah, they, they are really efficient against especially um, some hoop zones and a lot of condensed two twos, but I think they struggle when those the beater pairs, even in some of those similar defenses, but are able to put pressure on them. And then the second thing that I have is just uh, one thing I think they, they have worked on that's been really effective, but um, will need to be more effective, especially to take down the opponents above them that we've talked about already, is just their own beater press. Um, they they have a pretty effective press like right off of when they score, trying to force teams either back into their keeper zone or back across the half line. And um I think if they're going to be able to take down any team on the rest of the, like on the top of this list, they're going to have to be able to really perfect that press to it, to its peak capacity so they can get as many turnovers as they can. Um, but yeah, I think overall this is a, a really strong team. And like I said, they've had a lot of experience playing a lot of different teams. I think it's just trying to figure out how they can kind of break through um, 
beating kind of the best teams at the top of the club pool. I mean, they've they've also played in playing a lot of teams have had wins and losses against a lot of the similar teams in in and around them, um, including the team I play for, Black Pandas. So they've had wins and losses against a lot of the same teams. So if they're going to clean that up, I think taking everything they've learned, trying to just uh, just kind of improve efficiency. Uh, I want. Oh, sorry. I was gonna hop in and and kind of like drop a story that uh, uh, that I got from another quad ball player. Today is actually his birthday. Uh, shout out to Bad Tad himself, uh, Tad Walters. He turned thirty or twenty nine. One of one of those days. Thirty. Uh, yeah, he, he turned thirty today, and uh, he's at practice naturally. Uh, but I, I wanted to talk about something. Uh, we were we were both in. I think it was South Carolina when uh, the ESPN eight the Ocho event happened when Team USA. Um, team USA and the developmental team in the and Team Canada were on ESPN two. They were kind of going back and uh, you know we were hanging out afterwards or whatever. And I was talking to them about how frustrating, um, you know, how frustrated I was with the season I was having with the Cosmos and everything like that. In terms of like I had a lot of players who were dedicated, but we weren't getting wins. And he's like, Yeah, man, you know how it goes. It's all about finding like that core group of players and building out from there, like the people who are the people who are all in and dedicated, the people who are all focused and, and, and moving towards the same thing. And they'll attract the other people that are willing to uh, follow that one. And there's, he's, he, he just reminded me, he's like, there's always going to be people who have lives that they're going to be living. And then there are going to be people who, you know, make the time to make it happen uh, for the team and, and go out there and make the wins happen, especially the uh, the ones that are like really passionate about it. And I get you can be passionate and love something and still be super busy. Uh, but, you know, he it, it was a cool conversation with him about like kind of how Boom Train has come from, you know, they started off with a ton of talent and a lot of players who were really good, but it feels like they've become an even better team uh, combined with the fact that their individual players on their team are also working all well, it feels like everybody's working towards the same goal so it's really good to see them uh being being successful yet again uh because we've seen teams have you know one or two years where they're uh near the top of the game because they get a bunch of really good individual players together and then they kind of fall off but it seems like boom train has become uh, a program which is really cool to see uh happen in real time absolutely and i think the one thing that i have kind of noticed in some of their results um is that they tend to have a lot of very close games or games where people kind of like I know the pandas game um, at South Ian y'all came back right mm -hmm. and so I think one thing that I think they could probably clean up is just making like the ability of how they finish their games because um, I think they can get kind of chaotic and like have had some experiences like they have a lot of games where it's like two goals or one goal and they just kind of if they have a lead keeping hold of that and just kind of like putting the pressure on the other team so that's just a small note but really love what boom train's done all season i think they're at 29 games this or 27 games this season which is a lot and i think all of that experience is going to be really really beneficial come nationals absolutely um and then with that Emily, do you want to lead us in to our next team, which is District of Columbia Quad Ball Club? Yeah, absolutely. So DCQC is honestly having, I think, one of their most successful, if not most successful, quad ball seasons. Um, they have gotten a lot of wins against teams who they haven't gotten wins off of the past, like Bosnia, or not Bosnia, Pandas, um, Atlanta, doing a really good job kind of growing the program. And I think one thing that I really love about 
how BC plays. It's just how they move the ball and how they use their off-ball cutters, um, which I think is really fun to watch. I think one thing that I want them to get improve on is I think they have a tendency to kind of let other teams go on runs. Um, and then like those runs kind of bite them in the butt later in the game. And I know Ben and I have actually had this conversation about the Warriors game, but I think it's just like doing more to mitigate the like kind of do damage control when maybe one of the other team beaters is like having a, just like popping off or just making those like strategic calls, like time calling a timeout or like changing the matchup to see, to kind of do something to stop those like quick transitions or quick runs and stuff. Um, but I think like DC has two very, very solid lines of beaters. Um, like I think Riley stars is just automatic with mid range shots and it's so hard to tackle. Um, and I think it's, like DCQC, I think has a really good shot of making an elite eight or final four run this season. And I'm excited to see all that they are able to accomplish. So. Anytime I've faced them this year, it's been uh, impressive to watch and uh, a struggle to play against. <laughs> At CCI, I was walking by like the Cav um, warm up area or where, where they were posted up uh, by the trees uh at cci new orleans and having a you know going to say hi to people that you know and see and see what they're up to or whatever and um dcqc was playing uh playing somebody in the background of when i was talking to augie and augie was like talking about he even noticed uh the massive difference between uh the massive jump that they've made from last season to this season because i think they played uh, DCQC at nationals last season on their way to the national championship. And he talked about how the field versus them uh, in terms of what their overall skill level felt like it was significantly higher than it was last year. And it was already pretty high the year before. So uh, just, you know, I mean, people are noticing. Uh, and of course, hearing something like that from a guy who's really good at quad ball play, Augie Monroe, uh, probably goes a long way. And I just wanted to you know, throw that throw that story that I had also heard it, and obviously you can see it when you watch it on film as well. Yeah, and then uh, with that, uh, Ben, do you want to start us off in talking about the next team on our list, Lost Boys Quad Ball Club? Yeah, um, the Lost Boys have had a much a really impressive season this year. I think where last year they made the Elite Eight at Nationals, but that was partly seen as a result of getting. A favorable pool draw and then a nice matchup in the first bracket game and then they bowed out by a large margin in the quarterfinals um but this year they've kind of been out to prove that that wasn't a fluke and i think they've done a good job that they're six ranked by the algorithm they have a really impressive win on the docket against boom train which is you know kind of their signature win this season at the home tournament but they also won west regionals by beating tc frost and every other team in the west they've clearly established themselves as way above the rest of the west and on par with you know the second or one B tier of the rest of the country. The only game they have against one of the top three teams was against Warriors at CCI. And that game was also very competitive um, in terms of what they can do to build on that. This is a team that kind of still plays a bit of a, I guess, older style of quad ball offense where there's a lot of alley-oops or passes behind the hoops and teams have started to catch on to that's what the lost boys are trying to do a lot of the time and react according to it, especially because a lot of the ball handlers on the last plays are going to try to move it down the side instead of trying to get to the center. And if you move it out to the side where you're not a shooting threat, 
it's a lot easier for the hoops defenders since almost everyone is playing some sort of a hoop zone to cheat that pass behind the hoops, even if you can't intercept it, to at least get to the point where as soon as the pass gets there, you can make the tackle or a beater can be sitting on it or something like that. So just some additional variation in their offense. If it's when they move it to the side, moving it back to the center more, um, or if they can get downhill in the center more, that's obviously the thing all defense are trying to take away. But there are ways to do that where you don't just have to try to play one-on-one against Syracuse point defender, right? You can move it over against like a box zone to try to attack the secondary point defender. Or if it's Baylor, you can move it and just drive right into the middle like that. Against Mark defense, they can use their beaters to create more space or try to set screens. There's a little bit of extra variation in the offense because what they've been doing is work for them, especially in taking care of business against teams below them. But to beat the teams who are on their level or to spring an upset against the teams who are maybe that one tier higher than them, I think just a little additional variation in what they do offensively um, would go a long way. Yeah, to add some kind of anecdote to that, what you're saying, I think I, I definitely agree with uh, kind of talking about their over-the-hoops passing style. And going back to that that uh, quarterfinal game against Bosnia last year, I was on that Bosnia team. Um, and that game, the final score, I, I just pulled up the, the results, and the final score is 135 to 60. Um, but from what I remember, the game was not so uh, not so big of a difference heading into uh, flag on pitch um, because that – that um, the pass over and finish was working for them really well. Uh, and until like the Bosni had to adapt to that and we started shutting them down a little bit more. And then once they had, uh, once our beaters were able to kind of cook during flag on pitch, uh, their offense kind of stagnated and we were able to pull away in terms of score. But definitely agree with what you said that that, that style of offense can work, but they need to be ready to switch it up if teams are starting to adjust and also make sure that, that if they're going to do it during flag on pitch, that, uh, you know, it, it keeps working without beaters as distraction. I will say in terms of flag on pitch time, Sam Scarfoni <clears throat> has been absolutely automatic for them this season, which I think has contributed a lot to their success. Um, he caught the catch against Boom Train. Um, in both of those games, and I think was a big difference maker in that. So shout out to Sam. Yeah, absolutely. They were super dangerous in flag on pitch scenarios. So if they can keep that up, that's going to make them a huge uh, force to be reckoned with at come nationals, especially in game like a situation where you're going to be playing a lot of games, and if other teams aren't as automatic or aren't as dialed in and preventing those opportunities, um, the Lost Boys could definitely get some big wins, some, potentially some upsets against teams that are just not prepared for that situation. Yeah, and then uh, with that, why don't Ben, do you want to start us off again in talking about uh, Twin Cities Quad Ball Club? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Frost um, is earlier this season, I think on this same podcast, I talked a little bit about how Frost goes too fast sometimes. Um, and they've done a better job, especially at West Regionals, of slowing it down. But they sometimes run into problem when they go slow, they're not decisive, right? You can be a slow, methodical offense, but your cutters can be very decisive. Your ball movement can be decisive. It's just you're not shooting or looking for an alley-oop or whatever, like five seconds after you cross half court. It's more swinging several passes together, taking the space that opens up, and then finding good looks. And sometimes when they're trying to be patient, they end up just kind of not doing anything. And then eventually – 
they realize we're not doing anything and then they go back into being fast. So if they can use that patience, which is good, but just be a little more incisive within that patience, I think that'll go a long way. I think I'm talking about that in regards to how they worked at West Regionals, especially in what were basically the finals against Lost Boys. I think part of the problem there is Emma Persons didn't play in that game and she really helps the team um, get moving and is a good facilitator and orchestrator in the half court. So hopefully she's healthy for nationals and that'll go a long way towards fixing that problem. Um, Because when this team gets out and runs in the fast break, they're very successful. And in the half court, they're capable of being very successful, but sometimes they're just a little too waiting around and then they try to force it because they realize nothing's happening. If they're just a little more proactive while still being patient, they're going to find really good looks because this team is filled top to bottom with people who can shoot, people who can pass, and people who can finish at the hoops. Um, And I think they're just capable of being an even better offense than they've shown in the half court so far this season because I think their defense is uh, a little better than last year. Um, and obviously adding HPV, their seeking game is going to be really strong this year. So the biggest thing for clean, they can clean up is just taking their half court offense, you know, to the next level. And that's, what's going to launch them into like the true top tier. I think something that will help with that. will get Max Meyer. will be putting Max Meyer more in an off ball role. Um, Cause I think he is one of those players who when he's off ball is very, very dangerous. Um, so I think, as you mentioned, having Emma back to ball handle so that Max can work more off ball will be really helpful to that offense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, like you said, this team can be very dangerous. Um, and I'm curious to see. I think they've played, I mean, I guess they've still played a fair amount of games, but I think they've played a little less out of region than some of the teams we've already talked about. So mm-hmm. excited to see um, kind of what they're able to bring. Uh, yeah, and then from there, either Ben or Emily, just one of you want to lead us off in talking about the Boston Black Pandas? You can go first, Emily. Yeah, so Boston Black Pandas are another team that has also done a lot of traveling and gone to a lot of tournaments. They started their season at Oktoberfest playing BCTC and the Warriors, and it was not the best start to a season, but they've definitely just kind of been on the up and up. Um, since then, they won the Caller City Invitational, um, did a really good job at CCI, just kind of gassing out with the number of people that they had available at CCI, um, and then going on and winning, going into the finals at HBI and getting a bid at South Regional. And I think the strengths for the pandas is obviously their beaters are one of the most well-rounded beating core in the country. Um, I think they do a very good job um, of mixing who's playing, like abusing their pairs. Um, I think the one thing that I want to see the pandas clean up um, leading into uh, nationals is to kind of get more people in their offense attacking from dangerous spots and basically have more get it feels like right now there's very clearly like a center of attack either ian steinberg becky and i think when it comes to defending against that because you know the general idea of where the pandas are trying to put the ball it makes it relatively easy to defend if you know this is where the ball is probably going to go you can kind of like play that way on defense um so i think getting more people involved and in dangerous spots will help y'all because defense wizards will have to adjust to not just marking the same 
general spaces. Yeah, I was going to say almost the exact same thing. I think they do a good job of everyone touches the ball in offense, but in terms of who actually finishes the plays or makes the plays, it ends up being the same people over and over again. So when they get the ball in other players' hands instead of those players just kind of standing there for a second or two and then throwing it back to the person who initiated the position, trying to attack from those off angles from the side of the field or against the secondary point defender or something like that um, just makes them – even more dangerous on offense because it also opens up those players you were talking about as being a side of retention to activate off ball because those are all players who are really dangerous with the ball in their hands but can also be really threatening off ball scores. And so if your players more like Athena Mayer and Mary Scott and Emma Pullen are able to just be a little more decisive about attacking and then either finding the shot because they can all shoot or finding people like Ian, like Steinberg as cutters, that's going to be a lot harder to guard than the fans currently are. And they're putting up plenty of points the way they're playing now. It's talk, We're talking about going from like great to elite, right? Um, but I think they can just be even more dangerous than they already are. Yeah, I mean... I also think... Oh, sorry, you go, Emily. <laughs> I also think y'all could be a little more physical on defense, but I know that's not always... Like, y'all have the beaters who allow you to be more in the passing lanes than actually hitting, but I think there are some teams where you're just going to need to, like, have more people who are making those hits but i think it also is very dependent on who's on your roster on a day um so that would be interesting to see yeah and then with that i think we can move to our next team the bosnian bear sharks ben, I you four in a row which was a mistake no it was, it's okay you <laughs> you're gonna have a strong strong section here and then uh then you'll have a, a little bit of a nice break in terms of starting it off um so bosnia and this is kind of like not breaking any news the biggest problem for them is that everyone on the team is super talented but they don't practice the other whole lot and there are four or five possessions over the course of a game where they throw the ball away for no reason and that's the easiest low-hanging fruit in the world to clean up. It's a little harder to clean up as a team that doesn't practice together a whole lot. But that's the possessions that you need to have if they're going to you know, beat uh, Texas Cavalry, who knocked them out of the semifinals last year, or beat Texas Heat, as they were able to at New Orleans last year, or beat the Warriors, you know, their crosstown nemesis, like those true top teams. Just not throwing the ball away a few times a game, because when they, aside from those possessions, their offense is really hard to stop, right? Everybody on the team is a threat to score. Their coordination between their beaters and chasers is excellent, and they can do a lot of different things where the beaters sometimes just want to take out the other team's beaters, but other times they focus on creating holes in the chaser game for their own chasers to drive into. They have a very varied attack, and their defense is super strong, and that helps cover for when they're struggling on offense because they get so many stops and generate so much transition. But when we get down to quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, and whatever their hardest game is in pool play because they're coming in as a pot three, so they're guaranteed to get one extremely difficult uh, pool play game on day one. And those games, to get through them, they just got to not have those kind of silly, unforced turnovers, right? Because everyone has some turnovers in the game, but when a turnover happens because the other team spring a beater press on you, right, you can live with that. We're talking about the plays where they just throw the ball out of bounds because they were a little lazy with the pass or something like that. You cut those possessions out and turn even one or two of them into a goal, that can change a close game. So that's you know the thing I think they need to fix because aside from that, they've performed better and better at every tournament this year as they've gotten more of their roster. They're rounding into form at the right time. Um, and I'm really impressed with their, their beater game this year. So I think they have the ability to beat anybody, and it's just taking care of uh, kind of the simple stuff is what's going to put them over the top. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it is funny to talk about spring cleaning for a team that will not be practicing before nationals, uh, at least not in the conventional sense of practice where you play quad ball. Um, but so for Bosnia, that means that their first game at nationals is going to be the time if they have to fix anything, that'll be the best time to do it. And as you mentioned, Ben, they're going to be coming in as a pot three team, most likely that first game might not be an easy one. And it might not be against, let's say, a pot one team, but even a pot two team, those those games are going to be tough. And also, from what I've heard, there's going to be a lot of players, because as, as we know, Bosnia hasn't had huge rosters throughout the regular season. But there will be a lot of players at Nationals. They'll be bringing out 21, more than 21 probably, but at least obviously only 21 on the playing roster. And so... We'll probably be seeing returns of players who haven't played since MLQ champs or maybe even longer. And I don't know if you can, I know the phrase de-rust is uh, super a- accurate, but. I think the if, phrase if, you're looking for is properly rested. Okay? <laughs> right, right, right. When, when you're younger, when you're like 25 and younger, you, you get rust. But when you're like older, when your joints are a little bit more creaky, you know, you got to You're really focused on your hydration level. It's all about like the that's proper rest when you take off like four months. Oh, for, then this team is going to be rested, and they just got to wake up for that first game, because starting off tournaments is starting off that tournament with maybe a tough game. They're going to have to. They might have to get back into form real quick uh, if they want to not end up with uh, a lower seed into bracket and a potentially really tough bracket. I think all of those are very true and I'm excited to see what happens. Um, so next I'm going to lead us off on Terminus Atlanta. Um, so Terminus has had a pretty solid season. They went down to Mid-Atlantic Regionals, um, came in second after DCQC, then went down to CCI, played um, good games with Bosni and um, Pandas and a couple other teams who I'm forgetting at this moment, then went down to South Regionals. Could have had a more successful South Regionals, lost to Pandas, Warriors, and Boomtrain. But as of yesterday, uh, one went 4-0 in a or went 5-0 and in a triple round four robin between New York Slice, 4-1, and 4-1, and my bad. Um, thanks, Ben. 4-1 against Boomtrain and Slice, um, beating, going 2-1 against Boomtrain and winning two games against Slice. Um, they are obviously a team that has been together for a very long time, play together in MLQ for a while for USQ. Um, and I think the thing that I have that I think they should make sure to be spring cleaning. And I haven't seen the film from yesterday, so I don't know if they've done this in this film, but I think they really tend to struggle against half-court defenses. Um, I was watching the Pandas Terminus game from South Regionals, and a lot of their games were coming in broken plays, fast breaks, like good beater presses that worked, but when they are facing an actual set like zone or defense, they tend to struggle in creating space and movement for their chasers and putting their 
players in ability, like places that are able to score, um, which is something I noticed also when they played the Warriors. And I think it just is, I think maybe a little bit of better coordination between beaters and chasers and keepers, because I think the beaters do a really good job like opening space, but then the keeper, like the chasers don't necessarily fill that space or trying to get more ball movement off ball, just like cutting, setting screens. Cause I think sometimes if things aren't working, they just keep trying the same things and it doesn't always change the results because as we know, definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting something else. So that's kind of my thoughts on things that Terminus could improve on this year or in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think this is a team that has a lot of their, like, really talented... I mean, their whole team is talented, and I think they have a lot of athleticism, and they're able to... Um, I think, like, both sides, both the beaters and chasers, have... They're, they're very intelligent in the way they attack, but just not often, like you said, coordinated at the right times or um, in structured ways against specific defenses and trying to break those down. Um, so I think, like both the mental and physical pieces are there. It's just like connecting them in the right ways and getting everyone on the field on the same page um, so that they're able to, yeah, put, put those final pieces together to get more goals and to, to, to win those games, which looking at the results from this weekend, maybe they're doing a lot more of. And I do want to say, I think their seeking has been really good considering that they did lose Ryan Davis who is like one of the best seekers in the country. I think Tony has been very, very clutch for them all season. And so I think that's something that I maybe had a question and marked on them through the beginning of the season, I think has kind of shored up. So. Yeah. All right. And with that, uh, Abe, do you want to lead us on talking about the Bay Area Breakers? Uh, yeah, for sure. So... Uh, from what I've seen from the Breakers, uh, they have some really, really talented beaters who are capable of blowing up plays, making huge catches to swing possession, uh, swing control, and shutting down teams on defense. And so what I want to see more from the Breakers is chaser-beater coordination on offense, and both on fast breaks and in the half court. Um, from what I've seen, they don't aren't a team that likes to fast break much. Maybe I just haven't seen the right games. Um, but they, from what I saw, they took, they did a lot of just slow paced, walk the ball up offense, and then try to take a half, half court from there. And if you know that your beaters are capable of making big throws, um, putting the dodgeballs on the ground, uh, I want to see them run more, which I know is, is a lot of the times you talk about teams needing to slow down. Um, but I, I honestly think that breakers should try to get out in transition more on offense. Um, but even then, even within the half court, I think the, the chaser, that chaser-beater coordination uh, could step up. Um, notably, I, I think they really struggled against the slices, trees defense, and maybe others. Um, they, and as we know, it's, it can be really hard to attack at trees without some coordination those tap beats on the side hoops and breakers are full of people who can, can shoot and make good incisive passes. 
but without the beaters kind of leading the way, it can be really hard to do that kind of those kind of plays on trees. So they need to have better communication, uh, or um, just like have some developed plays to go on go to when they're getting stagnant and just kind of tossing long passes and not generating like high percentage looks. But again, I think from what I've seen, their beaters are really strong. And if they can, and also their chasers are really strong in certain ways, uh, not necessarily a team that's going to drive through you, uh, but with good shooting and good beater coordination, they can step up their half court offense and definitely a team that can make some upsets at nationals. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure at HVI, this team played New York Slice, who we'll talk about next, and um, they were able to make that game really close. It was, it looked like it was going to get out of hand, and that Slice was maybe going to run away with it at the beginning, and then Breakers were able to um, get a lot of transition looks and kind of swing that game in that sense by by working in transition. So I think you're absolutely right. If they can get more of those transition looks going, get themselves out and running with the beaters that they have. Uh, they can give a lot of teams trouble. Yeah. Uh, anyone have any other thoughts, or do we want to move on to New York Slice? I just want to shout out Sam Harris on the Breakers. I think I was watching the Boom Train Breakers game, and he was a large portion of the, his those matches, and I think he probably doesn't get talked a lot about because he's on the West, but I think he's one of those players who always is like able to make the drives he needs to and is do it does a really good job also being up with like a mid-range or long-range shot, which I think was part of the reason that game was closer, as close as it was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and then from there, Ben, do you want to start us off or do you want me to start off in talking about New York Slice? You can go first. All right. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, uh, new team this year, New York Slice, uh, formed from just kind of a collaboration of different people from different New York teams before it. But um, I got gotten to play them against them twice this year. And I think, honestly, a lot of the strategic and just – um, basically a lot of the components are there, I think for this team in particular, I know we've said it a little bit with everyone, but, um, I think team communication and kind of just the factors of, of consistency and keeping level head or keeping a level head is what will really bring this New York slice team, um, up the ranks a little bit and able to beat the opponents ranked higher than them. Um, in watching and playing against them, I think, they go on a lot of runs in every game that they play where they're able to score a bunch of goals against different defenses, against different teams. Um, and it almost doesn't, it's funny to say, but it almost feels like once they've reached a certain level of opponent, it doesn't matter the quality of defenders or quality of defense they're facing some of the time. They're able to break it down and go on these runs, um, but they're just not able to do that for a whole game uh, and able to kind of keep with their opponent throughout the course of an entire game. Um, I, there's I've definitely been a lot of moments in the games I've played against them where it feels like uh, Ben talked earlier about just teams where the thrown away possessions where it's it's not a press it's not a um, situation in which there's usually going to be a turnover that that every team gets caught off guard it's a a sailed pass over the top of the hoops that just goes out of bounds in the back or um, 
like two mistimed uh kind of beat attempts that the beaters weren't coordinating with each other didn't know they were both going to throw and then all of a sudden there's uh, a team able to steal and fast break the other way so yeah i think if this team is able to kind of get more on the same page i mean they're playing more games i think they've had a lot of season since uh, some of the time i've seen them so um they should be able to put a lot of that together and and really yeah stay in these games that they've sort of drifted out of as they've played their their tougher opponents I think part of what you're talking about where they have these really good stretches and then really not good stretches in the same game sometimes is their beaters kind of go at one speed no matter what and when it's working and they're on they're hitting everything um, it creates a lot of great looks associations but they have possessions where their beaters run in and throw at the other team's beater who's sitting on the hoops and the other team's beater just taps and picks their ball back up and they didn't really create anything but their ball went flying um, or even they end up trying to beat their team beaters behind the hoops on offense and don't even realize that their team's chasers have turned the ball over, which is a communication issue by both chasers and beaters, but just that super, super aggressive style. There are some teams where there are some teams where it won't work because the other team is going to stop it. And there are some teams where you don't need to do it because you can be more conservative and still generate plenty of points. And you're just kind of setting yourself up to give transition the other way by doing that. So just bringing it back a little bit because they have super talented beaters who are capable of creating things, but I think there's an easier way to do it than they're sometimes uh, going about it right now. And that's going to lead to the same or even better success on offense while also not giving up transition the other way, which I think has been their biggest problem this season is that they bleed transition goals because their half court defense, except when they were letting Ian walk to the keeper's own line and shoot on them at heroes versus villains. But for the most part, their half court defense has been pretty good this season. Um, but when they're just giving up transition after transition, it doesn't matter how good their half-court defense is. We have nothing else. Uh, we will go on to the <coughs> Silicon Valley Vipers out in the West Coast. Um, they are currently 5-5. Five and five. They went to a tournament up in Seattle earlier this year, um, and then the H202 event, and then West Regionals currently five and five and um hardest team to find field for i think but uh watched a couple of their west regional games and i think the big thing that i saw that they could work on is kind of making sure their chasers and keepers are attacking with their beaters because i think there's a lot of times where either their beaters make a lot of space but the chasers like aren't even there yet or the beaters have kind of maybe lost an exchange are trying to get a ball back and their keeper chasers either like throw the ball away or score, but then aren't really prepared for like the turnaround for a fast break. So I think that caused a lot of goals against them. I do think they have a pretty strong beater core. Sam Frischgren's out there. Um, Soup from Harvard is out playing for the Vipers. Um, and I think another thing is trying Right now, it seems like John Birdstrap is doing a lot of the heavy lifting for the offense. Um, so I think trying to integrate more people into that would be good for them. Um, but I think they've played mostly West teams at this point. Um, let me see what they I don't know if they played TCQC. I will check really quickly. Um, but they did get a good win over Anteaters Forever um, at West Regionals. And 
then ended up beating Seattle. So I think they have all the pieces to um, put things together. They just sometimes need to kind of go more together. Um, so yeah, and they did end up, I think, losing to Mile High at regionals. So I think on a stitch catch. So I think just they, have, they seem to have been in a lot of close games at West Regionals. So I think making sure that in those close games, they are able to pull it out. But again, don't have the most film on them. So that's all I can really say. All right. So next we are going to talk about the Orlando Spider Knights. Ashton, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, my biggest, uh, this is really simplistic and uh, it goes to it. You watch them on film. The Spider Knights has actually been a reference point for me uh, when I'm watching film for how I judge the skill level of an opponent throughout the course of the season because we as SWA have played Spider Knights. We won uh, versus them at CCI and then they have played uh, apparently every team under the sun that we are facing at some point or another. They've played Pegasus. Um, they've played Heat. There's film of that that I used to watch to reference uh, what is, you know, it, it helps you get like a scale of what is actually going on is the opponent making a really good play or do or or, or is spider knights kind of uh getting lost in the sauce a little bit but for the most part the number one thing i think everybody takes away uh it, me and my teammates have watched a ton of spider knights film because of the opponents that they've played and the number one thing that i feel like we take away when we watch them is that uh beater chaser timing is an aspect of uh, difficulty for them on offense but the number one thing is like they just don't have anybody willing to take contact despite having a lot of players who i know for a fact are really quick like Khalif, uh like darius i've also seen they've got some bigger guys on their team who are uh, who are willing to rip shots but not willing to take contact and go out there and, and close the space and get it closer to the hoops and increase their chances of being able to make a shot and i think that is what holds them back from getting to like another level right now and until they can overcome that, that aspect is going to make them predictable for what they do on offense, despite the fact that they're really good at passing the ball in the, in the spots that are going to help them. We've seen a lot of times you go watch their film versus Heat. They were able to go out there and buy themselves some time defensively versus Heat as they tried to figure out uh, some of the presses that uh, Heat was running, the type of 2-2 zone that they were running and operating. Uh, but the fact of the matter is a lot of that game got away from them because they kept ripping shots over the top, like 10 feet over the tall hoop uh, in an attempt at a shot at the hoop instead of trying to drive in and draw defenders towards them and, and, and try and find somebody to pass the ball to. So it was a little tough. But that's my number one thing uh, for the Spider Knights overall. They have to, have to, have to have somebody who's willing to drive and kick or have somebody who's willing to go out there and take contact and finish at the hoops uh, in – I feel like they they accident. There are so many times when I watch them play, and this is probably a product of the fact that they have some veteran players on their team, plus some young guys as well. They are young people as well. They stumble into ways to beat multiple teams' beater press throughout the course of a game, and they also, you know, they they like I said before, they struggled especially in, uh, especially getting in close. But when they got within shooting range. A, a decent shooting range they ripped it and they were super accurate with it which i think some teams uh, would be jealous and would love to have but overall 
it, it's got to be they have to get busy in terms of making contact and getting towards the hoops, making defenders, breaking defenses by making them over-rotate to come and stop somebody, and then finding that open person or finding the person who can find the open person. You know what I mean? Hockey assists are still assists in my heart. So, Yeah. I agree, and I think my thing that they need to work on is very similar to yours because what I'm seeing I think is very similar is they kind of just like – aren't as methodical on offense as they could be. So like they'll, and I think you, yours, like yours is the source of like what I'm seeing where they like aren't trying to go into contact, but I think they could just take a little bit of time to either like wait for their beaters to engage or find the open cutter. Cause all of their off ball cutters do a really good job cutting. Um, and then just kind of making sure to like not rush into it as much as I saw they were doing. Um, but yeah, I think very much on the same page where it's like, just like their offense needs them to either like take a breath or go into contact or just kind of do something a little bit different. And I think, yeah, I agree. I will say if you're playing spider Knights, do not let Khalid Piper get a look at this night at the flag runner. Yeah. Because it's very likely he will catch in one shot and then you'll be sad. You'll be like, huh, that was quick. I wanted to go seek. Guess I don't get to do that this game. So just as a heads up, he is very solid. Um, I think just like, you cannot underestimate how quickly he will get there. Um, yeah. From there to you, Emily or Abraham, do you want to lead us off in talking about Seattle Quad Ball Club? Yeah, I can start up. So I think Seattle is another one of the West teams who we've really only seen against West teams, um, minus TCQC, but technically TCQC is a West team. So um, I think from the film that I watched, I think they're overall a very solid team. Their beaters are able to create good presses, are able to keep control, create space. Um, they have a couple of very solid drivers, good off-ball chasing. Um, I think the thing that stood out to me in the two games that I watched was when the flag runner was on pitch, they did not score a single goal. Um, and it's not like they did commit beaters to the flag runner, but it also just felt like they kind of any of their like coordination on office just kind of stalls during that period. And it was actually, they were up 70, 30 on anteaters before at that 20 minute mark. And then after the flag had runner had been caught, it was basically tied 70, 70 um, because they'd gotten scored on and then Anteaters got the flag. So I think just what I would recommend they work on is that snitch on pitch or flag runner on pitch period, figuring out ways to use screens to open chasers up off ball. See if like I think their beaters generally were more dominant with the flag runner on pitch, but like seeing when in those opportunities can you make a beat on a chaser if you need to, or just kind of doing a better job there. Cause I think like especially in the Anteaters Seattle game, there was like a period of time where Anteaters caught and like scored like two or three in a row. And then Seattle kind of figured it out and was like, Oh wait, no, we've got this. And then started scoring again, but it was like a little touch and go for a little bit. 
um, and then ended up being a next goal win scenario. So I think that was the big thing that I saw in the film that I watched that it could probably work on just that specific period during the game to make sure it's not a no goal situation. Um, I will say their beaters are very solid. Uh, and I forget his name. He played for Stanford. Where's Hector? I'm so sorry. But yeah, their beaters are very solid. And I know that they're also very well coached. Um, Natalie Stotler has been a stalwart of the West Coast coaching scene. And I think she does a really good job making sure that her teams have a goal and are achieving that goal. So. Totally agree that that period of the game is uh, a place that they should probably focus. And I, I say this because they played six games at West Regionals, which I believe is their most recent tournament. And they caught one flag, if I'm looking at this correctly. And that was their, in their game against Silicon Valley Venom. Um, so if they're struggling to score during this period, and even if they're getting looks, if they're not catching the flag, then maybe they need to be reprioritizing how they want to approach that, that period of the game. Maybe they decide that they want to try, I don't know, defensive seeking and putting their, their beaters in the quad ball games just so they can keep scoring. Um, or any one of a number of other approaches. But right now, that, that period is giving them some, some troubles for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then with that, uh, do we want to move on to Washington Monuments? And Ben, if you want to lead us in talking about them. Yeah. Um, so the Monuments have only been to three tournaments this season. They're a small team. Um, in the fall, they had only like 10 or 11 players. They went to a tournament at the University of Virginia, where they lost by a lot to DCQC and beat Earthwake. They came to Midland Regionals, where they lost very close games to DCQC and Terminus, um, as well as beat Earthwake again and then lost to slice um and then they that hadn't played a competitive tournament in like the four months between midland regionals and the tournament in philadelphia or actually new jersey last weekend um and they brought a lot more players to the tournament they recruited a couple of players who graduated from their college teams in the fall as well as some players who hadn't played in several years and were kind of making the return to the sport so they went from 10 or 11 players to 16 um, but the results were they lost by a lot to the Warriors. They lost a, they won a very, very close game against Philadelphia Freedom, and they beat Boston Red Pandas. And to me, they looked not as good despite having more players at this new tournament. And I think that's the result of when they only had 10 or 11 players, all 10 or 11 players were on the same page. And it looks like they're still trying to integrate these new pieces they got. And if they're going to want to do any damage in Nationals, they needed to do that. They needed to add more players because 10 or 11 is just not going to be enough to make it through four games on day one and possibly a bracket game on day two so getting up to 60 or 70 players is great from that perspective but they have to get these new players kind of on the same page this is a team that likes to run um baylor or tree zone a lot but there were a lot of plays where either people just stood there and let themselves get dunked on or stepped off the hoops too early and let someone shoot past them which is the whole thing the zone is trying to take away the beater and chaser coordination looked a little bit off there were beater pairs who were uh, because of the new recruits were people who had never played beater together before and were doing it for the first time that weekend um, so just things like getting everybody at practice and getting a little bit of coordinated because in the fall at the middle originals, their tree zone was really hard for both DCQC and Terminus to break down, which led to really close games. 
and uh, Monuments just weren't able to get the the tail gra- the flag grab in either of those games, um, which is part of the reason that they lost. And also during SOP, A, they didn't get the flag, and B, they weren't able to keep up with such a short roster. Um, but for the first 20 minutes, they were very coordinated and able to get a lot of stops, and that just it didn't look the same in this tournament last weekend. So I think integrating the new players into that scheme, I assume they're going to want to keep playing Baylor. It's worked for them, and it, you know, it lets them get some more rest on defense except for the point defenders. Um, but they need to get their players who they've just added acclimated to the style they want to play on defense. And then offensively, um, everything is kind of flowing through either Justin Kramer or Maggie Dodson right now, who are both alumni of Virginia Tech. And when those players aren't on the field, they don't seem to really know what they want to try to do on offense. It just evolves into a lot of mid-range shots or a lot of passes that are kind of hopeful and don't really go anywhere. Um, Justin is a very dynamic driver who can get by a lot of people. Maggie is a very talented mid-range shooter um, who uses the threat of her shooting to open up passing. And when the ball isn't in those two two hands, it just kind of looks like there is no plan. So figuring out what they're going to do when other players are handling the ball on offense and just getting the newer players acclimated to what they want to do on defense is going to be the key for them because they don't have a signature win yet this season, but they have a couple of really impressive results if you dig in a little further. And I think they're going to be the pot five that's going to be the most dangerous to draw at this Nationals and can definitely make things difficult on the higher ranked teams. Um, but they need to get all these new players they've added on the same page as the kind of the players who were there since the start. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Emily, you go. Oh. Justin Kramer is one of the best point defenders in the country and does a really good job in their tree zone in the film that I watched from Mark, just like being impossible to get around. So, yeah, absolutely. Justin is very, very difficult to get around. Yeah, and then I guess just from there, do we want to move into talking about Mile High and Ashton, if you want to lead us on that? Yeah, Mile High, first of all, got a couple things. Um, They got new uniforms, swagged out, love it. They're Galaxy-themed. As a former member of the Houston Cosmos, I may be slightly biased. Uh, They do have uh, a massive addition of more players from uh, previous seasons, which is great to see for a team that struggles with one thing in particular that's not their own fault, but their location makes it extremely difficult for them to play a ton of games throughout the course of a season. They played played a tournament in Seattle, they played at West Regionals, and they played in Chicago at Trick or Beat, which is really dope uh, to see a team that's kind of super far from everyone. It's the same issue that I think a lot of us can attest that uh, Arizona teams have had uh, in in previous years, but in particular, Mile High in Colorado, they have harsh winters to deal with as well, which of course affects uh, travel time. I also like to point out Mile High is one of the few teams in uh, quad ball that has a sponsor. Shout out to them uh, for being able to pull that off. Uh, But the spring cleaning, I have, I have spring cleaning for two different entities in this. One is Mile High. The other one is us. We need to get more opponents from Mile High out in their area somehow, some way. We need more club teams out there for them to play. Uh, and, you know, maybe we just got to uh, – I don't know. I don't know how to solve it other than, like, be more hype, get more people, um, be as cool as pickleball. 
Don't know how we do that, but somehow, some way, we need to figure that out as a collective. Um, overall, though, when it comes to them as an individual team, you I see them struggle with passing accuracy. I also see a little bit of beater chaser timing, but in particular, knowing how to attack off of a certain type of beater exchange. The big game in particular that I watched that uh, had a ton of film of them uh, was when they played Ant Eaters Forever earlier this season, and it showed a good example of uh, what happens when you don't have chasers who can kind of work their way closer to the hoops, right? There's a tight, there's a style of two-two zone. There's a massive benefit to playing two-two zone high, where you're almost meeting the quad ball carrier and the chasers at the half pitch line, where you barely let them come over the line, and your beaters are allowed to kind of play close to their hoops, so that the beater exchange can happen, and your beaters have enough time to recover because you're so far away from the ability you're so far away even if you started your drive at mid pitch by the time you got back to the hoops the opposing beaters would have recovered and probably taken out at least one of your beaters while you're driving and that was a massive issue that they had so that's a combination of beater chaser timing maybe adding a few more tap beats to get the quad ball a little bit closer and force the defense to rotate over which will open up more space what they do have no problem with whatsoever i enjoy this you don't see uh we we're moving further and further away from the age of hero ball uh the mile high is selfless in the way that they move the ball around. And I don't know if it's because they believe that everybody can score in their own unique way or whatever. They just need the ball and they just need a chance to be able to pull it off. Or if it's because that's the way that they are coached. I know they have a coach who has a ton of experience. I've seen mile high do um, some pretty impressive things at nationals last year. And they're a team that I feel like is on the rise, despite uh, a lot of things that are against them in the sense of their location, how far they have to travel to even play in one tournament every single year. They haven't had a ton of time to play. Um, they haven't had a ton of on-pitch time in official games this season. But the overall thing that I take away from it, spring cleaning, their passing accuracy has to pick up, especially if they're going to be in one of those situations where they're not going to have their beaters interact with the chaser game. Their passing accuracy has to be on point. They have to have a greater passing strength for sure. And the passing speed has to pick up because they, if they're not going to have beaters help them so that they can focus on the beater game, which is a style of play. Uh, a lot of us don't necessarily prescribe to that, especially when it comes to like trying to beat uh, better man-to-man uh, -man chasers or one-on-one -on -one chasers uh, up front, which 2-2 two -two zone can devolve into that if you run box, right? But if they're if the beaters are not going to help, the passing has to be darn near perfect. And if that's the style they're going to go with, they have to increase the passing accuracy. They don't seem like they have a problem in terms of driving. The defensive side of things, they do a really good job of defending when the ball goes behind the hoops. Uh, the stuff up front, they allow kind of easy cuts to the middle, and uh, that opens up shots and passes to behind their 2-2 zone and uh, on the hoops as well. That's a big issue, but if the ball gets flipped to the other side, they do a really good job of covering. But uh, number one thing that I saw, passing accuracy, speed has to pick up, and the offensive initiation has to pick up in terms of timing they're not attacking at the same distance or the same speed that their beaters are interacting with the opposing beaters and it basically kills their offense every time they come down the pitch all right and then abraham do you want to kick us off on our last team on this list that we're going to talk about today uh southwest alliance yeah for sure so uh southwest alliance i think from the, I watched their game against Gumbo and I watched their game against Cav. And the, the stories from those two games, I think, is that this team is really, really strong in kind of disciplined play. Their 2-2 their zone seems to be one of their go-to defenses. They had strong rotations. 
Um, on offense, especially against Gumbo, uh, they ran a lot of really successful plays against Trees, uh, Baylor, whatever you want to call it, um, with those tap beats on the side hoops, followed up by shots or drives. Um, uh, so they look really good when they can feel in control of the game. And in that game against Gumbo, Gumbo maybe was a little tired, pretty small roster, and they looked really strong. And I think the, the, the times they got scored on in that game and then the big story against Cav, I mean, obviously nothing's easy against Cav, but is working on the scramble situations, those plays where things break down a little bit, which is can be one of the hardest things to practice, right, is that awareness during those kind of chaotic plays. Um, but Oh, and trust me, we try. <laughs> yeah, and feel free to correct me on any of this, or let me know what you've been up to uh, in your practices, of course. But uh, Running example, in the heat, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do not envy you. It was, although that being said, it was snowing up here yesterday. Um, so yeah, like in that game against Cav, Cav unleashed some basically full field press on uh, Swa and pressing with meters and chasers right outside the keeper zone. And you can practice against the press to some extent and have some idea of what you want to do, but you, some of it is also just has to be some level of improvisation. Like, okay, where can I find a safe spot? How can I successfully stall this out? Let my beaters get back into the play. Is this actually an opportunity where the best thing to do is to just run up to the field? Is that where the space is? That sort of thing. Not always, you know, it's, it's going to be different. Cav is a hard beast to figure out. Um, but yeah, practicing, that's the, the, my biggest takeaway for this team is figuring out, well, I guess not figuring out what to do in scramble situations, but because you can't figure that out ahead of time, but uh, stepping up their game in, in those situations. And I think if they do, it's certainly, it's certainly a team that feels like they pass the eye test and that like they look really good when their things are clicking. And so, yeah, and if, if they can get better in those scramble situations, this is definitely a team that can take down some big teams, uh, get some big wins at Nationals. Can't confirm we spent two hours of our six-hour practice yesterday working on press. So how to run it in, how to not get completely smoked by it. So that was fun. We spent a lot of time, like, game planning for Pegasus's press and what Heat did. We saw it on film. Uh, the Cav one was a little tough sometimes but it happens um we broke it but not enough times to be successful obviously we lost that game but yeah i feel you on that for sure uh in terms of you know when everything is going completely sideways like finding the open open player and then that player making the play and all that kind of stuff like that for sure just in kind of summing us up a little bit here and then other people would definitely feel free to have thoughts but I think just in analyzing the teams, uh, these top 20 teams heading to nationals, what sticks out to me is, I mean, by no way, by no means do I think this is like a wide open tournament to, per se. Um, I mean, I think we still have very strong favorites this year and teams, especially like we were talking about with Warriors and uh, Heat and Cavalry that seem to be kind of well above the rest and and forcing those other teams to, to have to pull off sort of a big upset in order to break that echelon but I think in a lot of ways this year even more so than last year feels like each of the teams that are near each other have 
a lot of parody and there isn't kind of a clear list even though we that's what we're looking at kind of when we look at rankings but i don't think there's a clear list of like these is this is clearly the the top one two three four five six seven and so on i think there's definitely kind of these groups um which Abe, i know you've kind of broken your your rankings into but these yeah these tiers of teams and i think there's a lot of parity within them and that's made it a really interesting regular season and i think it'll make it a really interesting nationals as well yeah, for sure. Making those tiers is not super easy, really beyond those top three. And like you said, I think it would be a huge surprise if a team outside of that were to win the whole thing. But beyond that, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anyone knows going to happen. It'll, I'm super excited to go to nationals and just watch a whole lot of high-level quad ball and see how it all shakes out. All right. So... You guys can definitely not respond to this question. It's going to be a fun one. I, I want, if everyone wanted to, give their current favorite and then dark horse for the finals. Like, give who you expect to see there and then who you think is like a dark horse who could get there. Um, and if you wanted, based off of what pot your team is in, what's the, like, name like one team in a different pot that you're like, I just don't want to see them. So again, you don't have to if you don't want to, but. Uh, I can start us off, I guess. Um, team that I expect to see in the finals, uh, I think based off of their performance at CCI and what they seem to be doing and trying to develop a little bit more depth, um, I'm just going to say the Warriors is the team that I absolutely expect to see there. Um, as far as my dark horse to see in the finals, uh, I am going to say DCQC at the moment. Uh, it's been a really fun season for them. And um, yeah, I think depending on what you all are cooking up, Ben, maybe I could, I could see a finals run out of, out of this. Um, and then as far as a team that I personally don't want to face, not in my tier. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go off of what, um, in talking about just, this is going to be very personal, but in point defenders, um, playing against the Washington Monuments, no matter where the kind of their full team chemistry is at, and playing against uh, Jesse Kramer sounds like a, uh, a headache, no matter what time of day and what game of the day. So definitely don't want to face them, preferably. I can go next. And shockingly, my two first answers are the same. Um, I think the Warriors have put in a lot of work this season to go to all the events that they need to to, prove, like, to see the teams they need to see. Uh, they've worked on building out their depth. I know the tournament they went to last week they wanted to play a lot of their depth and i think that they do i don't know i wasn't there um i think dcq okay cool thanks uh i think dcqc has been on the edge of upsetting i, I think of the teams in the b team b b tier wow that was a lot sorry Ian. um the dcqc is the one who's been closest to beating both cav and the warriors i think honestly the october fest games like we're so close and like I think it's gonna just kind of turn into a chess match at this point um 
And then I'm going to say that I don't think I want to see Swap. Yeah, so my five seed, I think that's going to be just kind of, y'all have a lot of people and a lot of talent and like they're, you do like to hit. And so just like not getting hit would be great. So. I will go next. I would also, this is really boring, have the Warriors as the favorite to win. I think they have not separated as much from Heat and Cavalry as you would think because they've played Heat twice and gone one and one. They played Cavalry twice and went one and oh in a very close game. I don't think they're that far ahead of those teams, but it's just they're 17 and one on the season. They just feel a little bit different this year. I just think they have the best. Uh, you have to pick one team. They're the one who seems most likely to get there. They seem like they've figured some things out about their team this year that they kind of struggled with when playing those high-level teams in the past. Um, so I think if they're ever going to do it, this is the season. Um, for the Dark Horse, I think, since I won't say our team, uh, I do think Boom Train, by getting to be pot one, is going to have a great shot to set themselves up with a really nice path in the bracket as long as they take care of business on day one. They have only played the Warriors once this year, but it was a very close game at South Regionals in the pouring rain. The boom train was ahead for most of the secret floor before the Warriors got back ahead and then also got the catch on top of that. But that's a game that could have gone the other way as well. I think boom train does have the potential to spring upsets on those top couple teams. And I think they've gotten better and better as the season has gone along. Um, as far as the team to not want to draw, that would be the Warriors because we have played them four times and technically they are a South team and we are a Mid-Atlantic team. So it is possible, but we've already played four times and we can just save the fifth time for the bracket. That would be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll go next, I guess. Um, I know this is a cop-out answer. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll make a decision. I will say... Uh, Cav will, I, I mean, I expect to see some combination of the two of the three top teams in the finals, but I will go with Cav as my pick. Um, they're just such an experienced group and keep getting better as we've talked about. And it's really anyone's up for grabs. And I, I think they certainly have the talent and the discipline and the athleticism and just all the pieces to, to win. As far as Dark Horse, I don't know. This feels like a cop-out answer also, but Bosnia is technically a pot three team. Um, but I don't think we've seen peak Bosnia yet this season. And this is a team that made the final four last year. It's gonna, There's going to be a lot of those players coming back for this Nationals. Similarly, this is not a team I want to draw as my pot three team. Not that any of the pot three teams look like easy opponents, but yeah, I, I, my both Dark Horse and team I do not want to face is Bosnia. Um, yeah, so this is a, a tough question for me because it implies me asking, do I think I'm going to lose in uh, at Nationals? And as a meathead jock person, I structurally cannot do that. So uh, I will say that, I mean, Swa is the 20th seed with the last seed um going into nationals or whatever but uh, i guess that puts us in the dark horse slot of teams that are not expected to win but i 
honestly expect to win the national championship. Feel like my teammates have worked really hard. Uh, and we're that's the goal. Like that's the every time we step onto the field, the goal is to win. And so I have to be dumb and say that I feel like we're gonna do it. But uh overall, in terms of like being a favorite uh, in terms of being a favorite going into it, man, uh, it's it's tough for me to it's tough for me between the uh, Cav and Heat. Uh, I say Cav mainly because I know JJ is back to one hundred percent, and Davis is uh, back to one hundred. Or Davis Rowe is back out there playing, and I feel like if you go back and you watch that film where Warriors played Cav, um, not having. Uh, not having JJ was like a big uh, a big factor in terms of how successful they were against the Warriors. And as they spent more time uh, circling, as as Cav has spent more time working on strategy, they've tightened things up. And like we said before, uh, we already talked about one of their biggest aspects. They haven't even utilized their other Team USA chaser and Casey Beavers to uh, what we believe to be their uh, her maximum potential. Because like let's be for real, she's extremely dangerous. Um, but yeah, that that that's uh, their cab is my favorite going into it, uh, and then Dark Horse is the Southwest Alliance and the team that I don't want to face, man. Um, well, Abraham, Pegasus, you know. Uh, no, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, it would be cool <laughs> to play Pegasus to finally sort it out, man. <laughs> It'd be cool to uh, it would be cool to uh, be able to face Pegasus and sort it out. You know what I mean? But because we're both Southwest teams, we probably won't get it. Um, we probably won't get that chance to do it. But when it comes down to it, man, uh, I'm looking at a lot of these teams and obviously want an opportunity to be able to prove uh, how good every single one of us are. Uh, I'll say Cav because every time I play against them. Um, the two-two zone variant that they run ends up with Sammy Garza literally like almost holding my hand on the field, and it's kind of annoying. So, uh, Sammy's cool dude, really, really good player, um, very fast, and he spends most of his time standing next to a fat guy on the field. So, uh, I, I feel that's annoying to me. You know what I mean? So that's that's pretty much it. All right. Cool. Well, thank you all so much for coming and talking to us about quad ball for two hours. Killing it. It's going to be great. 10 out of 10. Very fun. Um, and I hope everyone takes these last five weeks before nationals to brush off all the cobwebs, do a little dusting, maybe blow some dust off the bludgers if you haven't thrown one in a while. Um, and or your joints. Do your rehab. Do some Cubialis raises to stop yourself from getting shin splints. Um, and have a good time at Nationals. It should be fun. And we'll see everybody in Pennsylvania where everyone's going to show what they have to prove. Bye.